Idea Brew Studios presents All Indians Matter in depth. Hello and welcome to All Indians Matter. I am Ashraf Engineer, and this is part two of our conversation on Mahatma Gandhi's murder with Tushar Gandhi, great grandson of the Mahatma and president of the Mahatma Gandhi Foundation. He is also the author of the book Let's Kill Gandhi, a chronicle of Gandhi's last days, the conspiracy, murder, investigations, and trial. In part one, we spoke about the run-up to Gandhi's murder and the conspiracy. In this episode, we will talk more about the people involved. Tushar. Who were the main players in the assassination, and what role did each one of them play? Ashraf, uh, I don't like to call it an assassination because when you say assassination, there seems to be a kind of a legitimacy to it because it's supposed to be a politically motivated. So let's this call it was, a murder. Let's uh, I, that's murder. why I call it plainly a murder of Bapu because it was just a murder, and the ideology was also of a murderer. and nothing more than that the principal players uh, let's start with the people who got away vidhi savarkar was the linchpin of the murder because if you look at it each and every accused had was loyal fanatically loyal to savarkar and there's no reason to believe that they all spontaneously came together unless they were ordered by their icon to do it but if you look at all the actions of these fanatics not only then but even in the more recent history you will notice that it's always the actual, the ones who do the act who get caught and the motivators and the conspirators and the inspire inspirations for those acts go go away scot free look at the babri masjid it's the courts say that it was a illegal act and carried out with malicious intent and all that and yet the accused are only the ones who actually demolished the the people who motivated or created that whole passion in the country to culminate in that attack have gone scot free the court has uh, let them go scot free uh, saying and so this was their modus operandi from the very beginning in history and so in the gandhi murder also the patrons and the organizers of the murder got away scot free the today the rss says you know we were not accused of the murder we were not even in the list of accused in the court how do you accuse an organization how do you convict an organization how do you punish because if you look at that justice system as it works its culmination is in a punishment no so are they going to say the rss must be hanged till death or shot by a firing squad and so it's very natural that the organization gets away scot free and they covered their tracks it's also alluded to in the kapoor commission unfortunately the kapoor commission was not given that writ to find out the uh, involvement of savarkar but all the evidence that they have brought together shows and in their own way kapoor commission ends with saying that the act could not have succeeded unless they had organizational support so which was that organization that kapoor commission was alluding to and who was heading that organization if there was organizational support that means that the entire chain of command of that organization is involved in that and so the patron and chief who got away was savarkar and the organizations like hindu mahasabha and the rss now they are both fighting about the credit of who 
did it a few uh, years back the hindu mahasabha openly made a statement saying don't take our credit away we have done it and we must get all the credit for it just like in the uh, babri masjid demolition there are claims and counter claims of who was actually doing had done it so that was it but the accused in the gandhi murder were nathuram godse nathuram vinayak godse narayan apte vishnu karkare digambar badke shankar kishtaya madanlal pahwa and gopal godse these were the accused in the gandhi murder charge sheet that was filed each one of them has a very interesting back story to them the strange fact is that uh, nathuram was not his real name so they 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 the back stories for all of them and uh, very interesting characters each one of them and uh, very interesting the way they all came together the motivations that they had but the single motivation for their coming together was their fanatic loyalty to their icon and patron savarkar each one of them even madanlal who was a late entrant as a refugee hothead used to boast about how savarkar praised him for his acts of terror in aurangabad in ahmednagar and uh, how he you know blessed him to continue with the actions and sort of pushed him towards the conspiracy with his uh, encouragement so each one of them and and wish uh, and uh, parchure dr parchure of gwalior was also an accused who got away and the only reason parchure got away because there was a direct established link of him providing the gun the murder weapon to the murderer the only reason he was allowed to get away on a technicality because the his defense proved that he was a citizen of uh, gwalior the principality of gwalior and not of uh, you know uh, of india so he should have been arrested by getting him extradited from gwalior but he was arrested in gwalior because by that time gwalior had already acceded to india the formalities had not been carried out and that's the citizenship issues and everything was there but he had already and so parchure was arrested and brought to delhi his defense counsel proved in the high court in in the red fort trial he was he was convicted it was in the high court appeal that his defense counsel managed to create doubts about his own the confessional statement he had made and uh, uh, the technical point about him being a citizen of the gwalior principality and so the process of his arrest was illegal and that is how he got away but you must remember that the gun and parchure had a direct connection to savarkar because there was a falling out between nathuram godse and parchure post the alwar session they were going to merge their two bands of uh, hotheads the hindu rashtra dal that nathuram headed and the hindu rashtra sena that parchure headed were going to merge but they broke off because they could not decide on who would be the supremo of the merged entity nathuram claimed it for himself because of his proximity to savarkar and parchure claimed it for himself because of his proximity again to savarkar 
and so they had fallen out. The other falling out was the share of the 60,000 given by the king of Gwalior. And so there was bad blood between Parchure and Nathuram and there's no reason to believe that Nathuram just turned up at his doorstep and requested him that I need a gun, please give me a gun. And Parchure would say, yes, yes, there, I'll give you a gun and offer it to him, knowing that the gun was going to be used to murder Bapu. The only common link why he would go out of his way, stick his neck into the conspiracy, was his fanatical loyalty to Savarkar. And so all these characters have very interesting stories to note. Let me start. Let me start with uh, Nathuram Vinayak Godse. We'll talk about Nathuram in a, in a bit. But before that, uh, Tushar, what kind of training did they get? They got training in small arms uh, use, target uh, shooting from various distances. They got training in preparing and exploding uh, explosives. They got training in uh, handling hand grenades and things. They were also very, you know, wild uh, conspiracies of using flamethrowers and bazookas and mortars and things like that, which never fructified. Uh, there was also an attempt to buy a Sten gun and uh, use it for murder. I don't know why they needed a Sten gun to murder one person unless they were uh, planning to straff the whole prayer meeting and create a Jallianwala Bagh kind of a massacre at the Birla house in their insane attempt to kill Okay, this is documented. This is documented. The Sten gun procurement is documented. Uh, just be, remember one thing, Ashraf, nothing that I say is not documented. Everything I say over here is documented and there is... There is a source that, if necessary, we can even uh, cite. And so, the only reason that the Sten gun was not used, uh, through Badge, Apte purchased a Sten gun just two months before the murder attempt on Bapu. But when they tried to handle it, they re realized that uh, none of them could handle the Sten gun. They didn't know its mechanism, they didn't know its working. And they realized that, uh, you know, once they start firing, it used up bullets so fast that they didn't have bullets enough to practice, to learn how to use it. And so finally, after having purchased the Sten gun for, I think, about 1,200 rupees or 2,000 rupees at that time, they abandoned it. They were going to purchase a flamethrower or a, a set of mortars from Goa, from the Portuguese. They didn't know what a mortar was and how much paraphernalia it entailed. So they abandoned that. They were going to purchase a flamethrower. I don't know who they were going to roast with it, but they were going to purchase a flamethrower. There was an element of showmanship along with the... The whole thing. And so this was the kind of characters who got into the... came together. And that's where, till almost the final point, the, the point where they failed on the 20th, it was a whole, you know, progressing record of bunglings, of amateurs trying to do something and stumbling at every point of it. Like I told you before, they had a 0.32 gun with a 0.30 set of bullets and they didn't know it. Even when they loaded the gun, they didn't realize that the bullets were loose in the chamber. They assumed that, no, no, this is fine. When they shot that gun on the morning of the 20th in the jungles behind the Hindu Mahasabha Bhavan in Delhi, to their surprise, when the gun was fired, the bullet popped out of the barrel and 
fell to the ground just three feet away from the gun because there was no traction or velocity to the gun, and that's when the, the gun and bullet didn't match. Uh, and so they discovered that that couldn't be used. Gopal Godse, who was Nathuram's younger brother, had served in the British Army in uh, during the Second World War, and he had been sent to Afghanistan with the British Army, and he was active in that. So he was issued a .38 Webley Scott as a service weapon during his army time. Now Gopal Godse was a strict stickler to rules, and he would his life was very regimented. He did not do anything on an impulse or uh, or spontaneously. And yet, when he came back from his tour to Pune and took a discharge after the war. He decided to carry the gun, keep the service revolver, which he was supposed to surrender when he surrendered his commission. He decided to keep it, not only keep it, but he went and hid it. He buried it in the ground of their ancestral home at Uksan, near uh, Kamshet today, in the compound. Now, there's no reason for somebody whose whole life was a regimented rule-following life of a clerk, because Gopal Godse also became a clerk in the armory post his uh, war posting in the british armory at karki near pune again and so the reason the only reason that he kept that gun was if his brother had ordered him saying that you know we'll need to use it and he dug up the gun from that arm, uh, from its hiding place in uksan just 3 days before the 20th when he joined the gang in delhi His brother had told him to get the gun, fetch it from Uksan, and bring it to Delhi. And so Gopal Godse took it with him. He did not even open the gun from its packaging. He carried it as it is to Delhi. And at the uh, uh, at the testing site at, in the forest, when he opened the package and retrieved the gun, he realized that the ears in the ground. Had corroded the gun and it had become rusted and jammed. So the second gun also, which could have done the deed, remember this, it could have done the deed on 20th, was also used. And so this was the kind of preparation. He didn't check it even had. before yeah. taking it to Delhi. So these, this, these were the comical characters that assembled. Now each one of them has has their own backstories and they're as fascinating because each one of them in character was so. different from the others and yet they all welded together and that glue that welded them together was their fanatic loyalty and following to savarkar it, except uh, if that glue wasn't there there was no reason that they could have come together and stayed together and worked together how does a boy raised as a girl to dodge a curse on his family one that mr father figure negotiate the world How did his childhood shape his radical views as he grew up? Meet Nathuram Godse. By the way, did you know Nathuram was not his real name? Tushar, let's talk about the main one of them, right? I mean, at least as far as the assassination or the murder is concerned. Right? Tell us about Nathuram Godse, his childhood, his upbringing, his life in general. Ashraf, let me let's make it very clear. Nathuram Vinayak Godse was christened Ramchandra Vinayak Godse. his name was not nathura but what there's a interesting story because what had happened uh, with him was that his parents had lost three of the male children in birth who were born preceding nathura 
and so as it was the system of that time the family elders consulted a seer and that seer told them that uh, the family suffered from a curse by the family deity and so all the male offsprings would die in childbirth and so the family was very distressed vinayak and his wife were very distressed about the whole thing and so they asked for a panacea to how to you know how to have a male progeny and the seer told them that they would have to cheat fate so the next male progeny was born to them must be brought up as a girl so fate would not know that it was a boy and it uh, would not play its cruel role on him so at birth ramchandra his left nostril was pierced and he was made to wear a nath and from that point onwards he was brought up as a girl so in his initial years Now just just so the readers know the nath is a traditional nose ring a maharashtrian nose ring that uh, women in these parts of the country wear and it uh, the way it goes is that at birth they wear a ring a nose ring and when they reach puberty then they start wearing a stud a nose stud so that's the two differences so nathuram ramchandra as a young boy as a infant was had his nostril pierced and started wearing the nos, uh, nose ring and his mother started dressing him up as a girl and uh, his hair was allowed to grow long and uh, things and in his early years he was made to live the life of a girl although he was a boy and so he became the target of his uh, male uh, peers in the age group and they would make fun of him and uh, tease him about a boy being a girl and all that so he was very traumatized in his childhood you know in those days everybody indulged in that kind of uh, having fun kind of thing and it must have been very traumatic for the child and so he became an introvert he used to stay away from company go into the forest and stay on his own and he started getting fits which were considered to be like he was getting going into trances and the family started believing that when nathuram went into a trance the goddess the family deity possessed him and uh, she started speaking through him and the, the the family would encourage the trances and then have a dialogue with the deity asking her questions and uh, seemingly getting those answers from nathura so he had this kind of a very unnatural upbringing in his childhood it was only after three more sons were born and survived that it was said that now the curse has been uh, you know uh, removed and now it doesn't matter anymore and that is it uh, when almost nathuram was 4 years 4 or 5 years old that finally his long hair was cut and uh, he was allowed to wear boys clothes and the nath was removed but the hole in the nostril remained and the story of the nath remained and so he was fated for the rest of his life never to be known as ramchandra but to be known as nathya instead uh, instead right up to the end in pune amongst the maharashtrians he was known as nathya and nathuram became it the name because ramchandra who wore the nath became nathuram and that's why that name stuck to it the curious part of it is in legal records also they have not 
written the real name Ramchandra, the Christian name Ramchandra, and all records he is always remember, uh, uh, listed as Nathuram Vinayak Godse, whereas actually it should have been Ramchandra Vinayak Godse alias Nathuram. And so this is the story of Nathuram, and the result was that he became very female phobic. He could never ever have a relationship with a female. He actually abhorred the sight of women, all even though he had sisters himself. He could not ever connect with women. So he grew up as a man who hated women, who could not have a relationship with them, who could not tolerate. In fact, his misogyny is well now yeah. known now. But do you think this childhood trauma, this teasing and you know this upbringing that he had, uh, had anything to do with the fact that actually when he began writing later, that was very violent sort of writing. You think that I think there was there, there must be a relationship, the trauma that he suffered and the resentment that he must have had towards people who were targeting him must have filled him with rage. But what it also did was the other thing that was important in his upbringing was the absence of his father. Vinayak was working as a junior clerk in the postal system. And so it was a very meager salary in a large family to support. And uh, a job that was transferred, transferable. So he was continuously on the move, absent from the family. The family would live in the ancestral home and Vinayak would be in another town serving the government. And so throughout his childhood, he did not have the protection of a father. And so his craving for a strong fatherly figure was a lifelong thing. If you look at it, while Vinayak was serving in Ratnagiri, the family moved there with him. And now Nathuram was in his mid to late teens. And at that time, Savarkar, after all his apologies to the uh, crown, had been granted a pardon from his Kalapani uh, imprisonment at Port Blair in Andamans and was transported to Ratnagiri to live in isolation in the city of Ratnagiri, which is in the south of Maharashtra, a seaside town in the south of Maharashtra. And uh, he was allowed access to people. He was just prohibited from carrying out any political activity or writing any political uh, uh, write-ups otherwise and not going out of the limits of Ratnagiri, the city limits of Ratnagiri. So Savarkar was also living over there and that, that was the time when Nathuram was introduced to Savarkar and suddenly he found another very strong father figure which he was always craving for. A strong alpha male kind of a character who he could look up to and admire. And uh, so he start, came under the influence of Savarkar and that is where the transformation of that traumatized child started happening. And the cure for the trauma was hatred. So hate was being instilled into him and he was being pointed towards a target for that hate, where it should be focused. And that was the Savarkarite ideology that was being instilled in him. And so there again is the his craving for male, strong male to dominate him, to take control of his life and to, uh, to, to guide him forward happened. And so if you look at it, he formed those kind of relationships only. He did not have a female uh, relationship with the female at all. And his hate also got focused on another very strong male identity. 
Gandhi, the alpha male of the freedom movement, the entire political movement of that time. And so his adoration was also for a strong male alpha kind of a character in Savarkar. And his hate was focused also on somebody who he looked up to and admired as a strong alpha male. And the relay partnership that he formed also, right up to the night of the 20th of January, Apte, Narayan Apte, the second accused in the Gandhi murder, was the leader of the Godse Apte gang. Apte took all the decisions, did all the planning, did all the provisions, providing and all that. Nathuram kept following him. So all the relationships that Nathuram had in his life, the long-lasting relationships were with male characters. That was the story of Nathuram. But that, that brings us to the story of Savarkar, actually. Yes. And uh, so tell us a little bit about Savarkar too. What was his background and his motivation? Savarkar was born in a influential and afflu- affluent Brahmin family. Grew up in the outskirts of what is today Nashik. His birthplace, his village and uh, his childhood were all spent over there. But he was instilled with fanaticism, which was at that time very rampant in the upper castes because the entire upper caste system was based on exploiting all those below them. And so that dominating and subjugating ideology was a way of life over there. And so that happened and because that was the also the area where there was an equal Muslim population and there was antagonism between the Brahmins and the Muslims over cow slaughter and masjids and everything. And so there was a focus. So right from childhood, Savarkar was also instilled with the supremacist ideology of the Hindu. And so he grew up becoming that. Initially, he was a revolutionary. We cannot deny the fact that initially he was a revolutionary who believed that defying the British was a patriotic act and that could only happen through violence because that was the only ideology he, re- uh, he, he believed in and subscribed to. And so he patronized the uh, revolutionary. He was greatly influenced by the Chapekar Bandhus of uh, Pune who had carried, murdered the uh, commissioner of Pune and were then hanged and became martyrs and became, even today, the Chapekar Bandhus are idolized in Maharashtra. Everybody in Maharashtra remembers their heroic deed and their action and admires them. And so Savarkar also came under their influence. He was a brilliant student, so he got into the premier institutions of that time. So Ferguson College was where he did his graduation. And at that time, he also established an organization called Abhinav Bharat, which was an organization to bring youth into the nationalistic stream, into the revolutionary uh, uh, stream of... uh, nationalism. And so he was rusticated out of, his degree was cancelled and he was thrown out of Ferguson College. And he was on the hit list of the government. But he had influential patrons who managed to fund him to go to England to further his studies to become a lawyer. So Savarkar reached Britain and he enrolled in uh, the law school over there. He was senior to Gandhi at that time. And he also again established an organization of uh, the right, right-wing Hindu uh, students in uh, London and they started their activities over there. They got in touch with anarchists in Europe 
to learn uh, about explosives and guns. And Savarkar started also writing his uh, very eloquent uh, articles and uh, inflammatory in a sense. If you read his uh, history of the 1856 uh, uprising, um, he was the one who called it the first uh, war of freedom. And if you read that, you know, you, you will yourself feel very energetic and patriotic and inflamed. And, you know, he had that charm, he had that magic in his language. And so he wrote that and the British got hold of it and they immediately thought that it was seditious and provocative and so they banned it even if, before it was published and then it was published clandestinely outside of India and circulated. And, uh, so at one point of time the colonial administration in India issued an order prohibiting Savarkar from coming back to India. And so the prosecution, uh, persecution of the Savarkar started. His elder brother was targeted and arrested because uh, I think it was the mayor of Ahmedabad or something of that sort who was murdered. And the colonial authorities uh, alleged that the murder was supplied by Savarkar's older brother. And so he was sent to uh, Kalapani in uh, Rangoon, I think, or Mandalay. This is the brother, Savarkar's the elder brother. brother. Savarkar's elder brother. And then the authorities claimed that uh, the weapon was sent by Savarkar. Savarkar used to send recipes for bomb making and things hidden in his manuscripts. And there is an allegation that he also was sending guns back to India, hidden in his uh, books and literature and things. So the British police were told to keep a watch on him. And at that time in London, the Savarkar, who was now a barrister, had fallen in love with a white British girl. He was deeply in love with her. and uh, But things became hot for him and he had to escape from England. And so he escaped to the continent and started living in France, where there were a lot of uh, the militant uh, Indian uh, expats living over there and they patronized him and uh, gave him a board and shelter and things. And so Savarkar started writing for a periodical that was published in Paris called Talwar. And again, that came under the watch of the British. And so now Savarkar was somebody who had to be caught. So there are two versions of how he got arrested. One is that he was lovesick, pining for his uh, English love and couldn't stay away from her. So he sneaked into London to be with her. And the authorities who were keeping tab on him uh, came to know about it. And he, they arrested him at the railway station when he alighted from the train. The other is that the, the love interest of Savarkar had been compromised by the British. And she was used to lure him to England. Whatever the story, I don't know what the fact is. But the fact is that when he tried to sneak into England from uh, the railway station, he was arrested at the railway station. And at that point of time, the colonial administration revoked its further previous ban on Savarkar being brought to India. And they sent a posse to take custody of him and bring him back to India to await trial for treason and sedition. And so he was arrested and handed over to the, the policeman from India and an escort from England was also provided. Savarkar was being brought back to India on the SS Maurya, from which he escaped or tried to escape at Marseille. 
and on the way there was a storm in the channel and so they had to make a unscheduled stop at the port of marseille and savarkar in his own you know savarkar was very well known to aggrandize his own character in his writings he used to paint a mythical picture of the superman that he was and you know today a lot of the maharashtrian uh, uh, right wing parties refer to him and a lot of maharashtrians refer to him as swatantra veer savarkar but the fact is that savarkar himself gave him that title himself the title it wasn't a spontaneous like mahatma was a spontaneous title bapu didn't tell anybody to call him a mahatma people started calling him a mahatma but savarkar actually wrote about himself as being swatantra veer savarkar and that has stuck to his name but right up to that time it was legitimate he had done those actions and when the ship docked at marseilles savarkar claims that he realized that this was his last chance if he could escape and take refuge in france the british would not be able to arrest him and so there is a very romanticized version of how he squeezed himself out of the porthole of the toilet on the excuse that he had to go to the toilet because he was fettered his legs were in chain his hands were in chain so he got his jailers to take them off to, in, under the pretext of going to the the, the toilet and then he rig, wriggled out of the porthole and jumped into the sea and started swimming he was a strong swimmer in his childhood also and he reached the port of marseilles he got onto the dock and there was a gendarme patrolling over there and he arrested caught savarkar because he'd seen him escaping from the ship and getting onto the dock savarkar thought that as a french policeman if he got into french custody the british would not be able to claim him but before the policeman could take savarkar in custody the british escort also landed up over there and they told the french policeman the whole story and the french policeman handed over savarkar to them because he had seen savarkar jumping out of the ship and so that was that sealed that was the point where the revolutionary died and from that point onwards the associate of the british was born he was brought back to india and there was a trial and he was sentenced to uh, multiple life sentences in kalapani almost amounting to 50 years in kalapani and sent to the prison the cellular prison in port blair in the andamans islands which was considered to be the no return kind of uh, place at that point of time and only the most uh dangerous of the criminals and uh freedom fighters were incarcerated over there the fact also remains that just within the first month of incarceration over there savarkar wrote his first letter to the british seeking forgiveness and uh, a pardon from the crown and then that continued for the next 10 years that he was over there finally culminating in the crown giving him a conditional pardon from the cellular jail well he was taken out of the cellular jail and brought to ratnagiri and placed in uh, city confinement open jail kind of a system the fact is that savarkar was not made to do all those romanticized Uh, you know fake history that is being told to us that he was tortured and made to do hard labor and things he was actually made to witness all the tortures of the other inmates and the back breaking labor that they had to do that they because the motive of the british was to try and break somebody who could be a utility later on and they broke they managed to break him admirably 
फ्रॉम दैट पॉइंट ऑफ टाइम सावरकर नेवर एवर अटर्ड इवन वन वर्ड अबाउट फ्रीडम एवरीथिंग ही सेड वॉज अबाउट हिज हेटरेड फॉर द मुस्लिम्स एंड हिज हेटरेड फॉर द कांग्रेस एंड हाउ दे वर अ डेंजर एंड हिज ऑल एक्शन आफ्टर दैट वर टूवर्ड्स सेबोटाजिंग ऑल द इनिशिएटिव फॉर फ्रीडम ऑफ द कांग्रेस एंड द प्रोपोगेंडा ऑफ हेटरेड and so this is the story of somebody who now they want us to believe was a, the greatest warrior of freedom i i must also ask you finally for this episode at least uh, didn't gandhi meet with savarkar in london uh, there are theories that they must have crossed paths there is no official record of their having met one of the theories that goes around is that the you know gandhi on his trip back from london to south africa in an outpouring of ideas wrote the hind swaraj which is believed to be his 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 ideology a crucible of his ideology which is a series of dialogue with a protagonist and one of the theories is that the person that the dialogue is being held with is the revolutionary and so it could be the imaginary savarkar but there is no proof or record of their having met once back in india while bapu was on his tours in maharashtra in the, the provinces he was going to pass through ratnagiri and he expressed the desire to meet savarkar but he needed a permission from the british to do that and the british denied him the permission and it is recorded in mahadev bhai's diaries mahadev bhai's uh... mahadev desai was bapu's long term personal secretary for 25 years and he kept a record of day to day activities of bapu in his diaries in that it is said that when he did not get permission bapu sent his wife kasturba to meet savarkar and it is recorded in that that when kasturba came back she warned bapu there was something wrong about that man she found evil in that uh, place and also something very strange in all those people who were around savarkar this was the time also when nathuram had gone into the central uh, entourage of savarkar and then so it could be that one of the persons who kasturba referred to as being there was something strange about that person could have been nathuram also so this is the only recorded instance of a contact that bapu could have had indirect with savarkar thanks tushar in this episode of the all indians matter special series on gandhi's assassination we discuss the people behind the killing what did the investigation into the act reveal and what happened in the trial what were the startling revelations that came up during it we'll find out in part 3 in the meantime please visit www.allindiansmatter.in that's a l l i n d i a n s m a t e r i n for more columns and audio podcasts you can follow me on twitter at ashraf engineer that's a s h r a f e n g i n e r and all indians count that's a l l i n d i a n s c o u n t search for the all indians matter page on facebook on instagram the handle is all indians matter write to me at editor at all indians matter dot in catch you again soon <laughs>